0: Hello and welcome to Scoppy Radio. My name is Dan Johansson.
1: And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by Rose Freeman, Lucia Terran Romero, and Isabel Davis Velazquez. Welcome. Hi. Hi. So Dan. <laughs> Hello. of myself nice. for that. That was
0: good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How are your mornings this morning? All of you at once. No. Rose first, I guess.
2: I have coffee on my shirt, and this is the third shirt I've gone through due to coffee spillage. Nice.
0: You have the classic, I brought this coffee mug home from home thing going, which is cool. Yeah.
2: What is that? (laughs) Is that a unicorn? It's a unicorn. It was actually a birthday present from one of my friends. Ooh, Uh, Actually, shout out to Heather Clark, former producer extraordinaire, now turned marketing maverick. But it's a unicorn sticking her tongue out on one side, and then it says, stay nasty on the other. Nice. It's a good yeah, mug. I like, Yeah, I like it. I'm into it. <laughs> I should probably promote the artist, but I don't remember what her name was. Sorry. Cool.
3: <sighs> yeah.
4: Lucia? My morning started too early because the dog woke me up. Mm. And, um, and I've had a headache because I had wine last night. And um. lately, wine does that to me. Oh, no. Mm. So. And I just moved, so my house is a mess. But everything is probably coming back to normal soon. I'm nice. <laughs> getting better. Nice. <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah. Uh, I woke up and uh, ran some errands, got some coffee, had to do some work. Like, you know, my normal job. Work <clears throat>
1: gross. Stuff.
5: Yeah. Did that, um, so I'm excited to do, to do this. Something nice. other than reports. That gives you
3: guys any
0: idea what I was working on. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, y'all are here to talk a little bit about Third Eye Theater's With Blood With Ink, right? Which is yeah. your upcoming show. Um, would is you mind a- telling us a, a little bit about the show? Um, sure.
2: Uh, so, With Blood With Ink, which was composed by Daniel Crozier and uh, libretto by Peter Krask, um, is. A beautiful opera uh, it's in English and Latin um, because it's telling the story of Sarwana Inez de la Cruz uh, who was a Mexican nun and poet and playwright and scholar and feminist and general badass mm-hmm. um, she was a really phenomenal human and it's a it's a memory opera so it starts off with uh, Dying Juana as she has written so artfully in the libretto. <laughs> you have Dying Juana and you have Young Juana. Oh, yes. And Dying Juana remembers her life, and that's why I asked these two lovely ladies to join me. Um, they, Isabella is doing Dying Juana. Right. Isabella is dying. Yes, and Lucia is trying to not die.
5: <laughs> Fourth time playing a nun, second time playing a dying nun
2: the kind like a specialty really, I I mean, passed, yeah i'm
5: totally i found my
2: niche i don't know <laughs> what were the other what were the other roles with
5: um i've done um Sor Angelica, and then i did the, the main character of Sor Angelica, which we all know she dies pretty tragically at the right. end um and her tra- her di- her death scene lasts about 20 minutes right this one lasts the entire <laughs> hour and a half <laughs> so
1: I'm am doing good. I'm no. really good. <laughs> they are Spending killing
2: the game. Both of them are like killing <laughs> abilities. <laughs>
0: well, what do you? And, oh, sorry. And then
1: ahead. was the other one in
5: Carmelites or something? Well, I did. Um, I did. Um, the 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 Glutinous Nun in Swar Angelica. That was like my first opera role ever. It was mm. you know hmm. 18 years old. First opera I've ever been cast in, and I was the Glutinous Nun and uh, and Suor, and Suor, um Angelica, which is like, you know, she's the one who gets shit for wanting bread and salt and butter and Mm. um Mm. that was fun and then yeah uh sore angelica i'm good (laughs) i'm really good at
0: it we've been trying to figure out what's going on with the cats because like i'm pretty sure it has to do with the weather change which like also it's cooler. how do you all feel about the weather Perfect. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
5: I'm glad it's cooler. Yeah, that's like
0: why I moved. Cause you're from the south too, right? And yeah, I'm
5: from the Southwest. I yeah. I grew up um, at the border town of El Paso, Texas. Shout out to 915. Um, I was born and raised there, um, and it is called the Sun City because out of 365 days of the year, it's probably hot and sunny 340 days of the year. Mm. Like I would die. It's hot. Yeah. Yeah. No. It is hot. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get as hot as, um, you know, air, 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 Tucson and Las Vegas can sometimes get hot, err, And I think it's just because it's more people, more buildings, right. more energy. More um Right. And El Paso. It's, it's a whole lot of Chihuahuan Desert, which is mm. uh, something that I, I love. I've always loved the desert and the mountains there. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm actually really happy to do this opera because... It reminds me of my, of my roots and of my heritage, and um, I've been thinking about my hometown a lot because of this opera, because of the people and the experiences, and yeah, I I wish that uh, El Paso Opera would would get on it and and do something like this because I think they'd get a, a great turnout, great audience. Mm. I need to talk to somebody about that.
3: Yeah, oh. El Paso. Um, yeah,
5: yeah,
2: yeah. Maybe we'll just drag it there. <laughs> yeah. On don't don't freak out, Rena. Don't freak out. <laughs> Rina Ahmed is the artistic director of the company, and mm-hmm. I spend most of my life. Terrorizing her with some grandiose yeah. scheme that yeah. I have no plan on execution. Yeah. She's very kind and not browning know, me. Knowing
0: you now, that's very easy to picture somehow. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Rena, cool. we've been talking. We're we're actually gonna take the entire cast down to El Paso. Nice. We gotta fund that. Yeah, yeah. figure it out.
0: I like a, like a two city stop, like a two stop tour. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago <laughs> and El Paso. Yeah. What else do you need? Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
3: yeah.
1: Um. So. Um, I guess I'm wondering um, what led Third Eye to choose this opera in particular? Like, what about it resonated with this company?
2: Trump? Trump? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one thing that Third Eye is very careful about is making sure that we are consistently doing work that's that's engaging social discussion and advocating Mm -hmm. for social change. Um, and what we've, you know, getting people to start talking about what is the right thing to do within our society. Um, and there's been some really horrifying racism in our dialogue right now um, about all sorts of elements. And I think among white culture if that can be a thing because no, it's uh, yeah. but also like let's recognize that whiteness is made up right mm. yeah. like that's a made up phrase so we can other other people <laughs> right mm-hmm. and i use other as a capital o um and we were debating between this one and an opera about um disabilities because that's another thing that i think has really hit the market and we, we settled on on with blood with ink because there's I think a, a there's this tendency to when you have otherness to uh, minimize the contributions of the otherness you know we'll 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 talk about um, like. George Washington Carver is kind of my glaring example, where the guy frickin' invented peanut butter, which we all Mm. eat, right? But we kind of talk about him as, like, the black guy that invented peanut butter. Like, why? How quirky. Yeah. Yeah. We like to kind of minimize things or, like, isolate them Mm. in these Mm. categories. And it's horrifying to me. Like, Sarwana Inez de la Cruz was an amazing human who invented transcendentalism, right? And, And really changed how things work and she was also Mexican, right? Yeah. And, and celebrated, and we wanted to bring that in. Um, another thing, for me personally, um, is the tendency toward for opera to whitewash and, mm-hmm. and white cast things, and that was something I, we as a company worked very hard to not do as much. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know if we were. We do have some um, non Latinx members of the cast, but we really wanted to have sarwana's story told not by white people Mm -hmm. exclusively i think that was well and this gave us that opportunity to have that casting so it wasn't an all-white cast
1: yeah and i remember when you know casting was still happening for the show and uh a girl i worked with who is um tejana and she she came up to me she was like hey you're uh her name her name is nat she came up to me and she was like hey you're an opera singer do you know any latinx um, opera singers a friend of mine is doing a project and i was like oh yeah i know a couple and then i got a message from you rose being like so i hear you would know some Latinx (laughs) opera singers and i was like oh i'm sorry no we know the same ones my dumb white ass was going under every rock i could find. and i'm like
3: where is everybody
2: And then no. these beautiful ladies showed up and sang more beautifully than anyone else oh, in God. the room. Anyway, <laughs> put them in the show. No one wanted to be in that casting room with me. It was ugly.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm. I'm actually really interested in, um, for you all, kind of what's your take on the uh, the the idea of roles that are for a certain culture. And like having the chance to play those roles in a society that is so I mean white supremacist and, and in a way does not uh, like will there are so many uh, ch- like times that companies will completely whitewash a cast um, how what are what are kind of your feelings on on doing it You go first.
5: Well, I I, I first want to kind of give a shout out to Chicago because I haven't experienced anything like that living in the city. And I know that we are one of the the bubble urban areas, which I think Mm -hmm. is anyway. But um, I have always been an opera singer. I've, uh, I mean, not, you know, since I was like 18, um, started singing opera. And, um, you know, and I grew up in a border town and most of our casts, were Hispanic, but not because we tried. It was because we lived in a border town, and that's who we had, and and we all worked great, and we were able to transform Johnny Skiki or, you know, do Susanna, or do things like that with, you know, with these, you know, right. with people that were not white. So that to me wasn't really a thing until after I got out of El Paso and I started performing with other people, with other companies. Um, but I've never felt that from the opera world um, because I've, you know, I've got to play Susanna, who, which, you know, she's she's a white girl from the Appalachians, you know, but I was given the chance to do that. And so I I don't want to say that opera is trying to whitewash, but we we definitely need to work on being inclusive. Um, yeah. And I think that this is a great opportunity to do that, um, bring some people who wouldn't ordinarily go to an opera, you know. Um, uh, People who I talk to about this character, especially Hispanic people, um, are drawn to this character because so rarely do we get to hear of Mexican or Latinx excellence, um, and especially during this time where it kind of seems like everyone's. I don't. I I'm I'm, I'm tired of minorities playing the victim, and I think we are. We you mm-hmm. know we're we're tired of that. I don't. And, yeah. and I think that it's it's good to show that we are able to do so much more than just complain about the fact that we aren't, that we're going through this thing with Trump. And, And also, you know, with you saying that we started this, the idea of doing this opera came out of Trump, and, you know, those famous words where he used, you know, and he called Hillary Clinton a nasty woman, rather than shun that, we've kind of taken ownership of that, and I feel like sir juana inez de la cruz was like the original nasty woman you know she totally stuck it to the man knowing she was sticking it to the man knowing that it was it was going to get her in trouble she couldn't help it because she was a human being with thoughts and emotions and and by god she was going to express it you know yeah i like
2: that what's one of the final lines is i am the worst woman in the world yeah Mm -hmm. yeah there's been a debate i think in the in the staging of like how serious is she on those lines yeah like
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, is she being sarcastic, think... or does she genuinely think that you know? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is she a nasty woman? Like, is it a nasty woman line? I yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally get that. Where yeah. Where are you headspace wise on that line?
5: I you know the cool thing about her is that she's so smart, and I am not that smart. You know. You're so <laughs> like <so> smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I could never imagine what it. I mean, you read her works, and you think to yourself, "Oh my God, this woman is." genius I couldn't ever imagine what it would be like to think like that especially during the time that she she lived in and so I go back the cool thing about this character is that I don't know you know I I go back and forth was she being sarcastic was she she, was she being serious maybe both Mm -hmm. maybe neither may I you know what I mean and she's never the same to me she's so dynamic that it's fun to play her because you don't always know what she what what she was thinking, what she meant, what she... It's really know. hard to imagine,
4: to transport oneself to those times, right, mm-hmm. and actually know what she really meant, but I like to think that she's making being sarcastic and doing a comment about it. She knows she's not the worst woman in the world. She's the worst woman in the world at that moment of time and where she is, but because that's how society calls her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Yeah. I guess we'll never Well, she's also
5: quoted of of being guilty of being a woman in a man's world. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a a long talk with the librettist, um, and he was very careful to be like, we can't make the male characters of this opera villains. They are a product of their society. Exactly. Um, And I think that's actually really important. And at first I was like, no, these guys are villains. Um, But they're not right they are the, the society at large is the villain right this is a this is yeah, a woman versus they're doing society god's work. Mm-hmm. yeah they're doing god's they, work d- they
5: genuinely think that that you know this is this is god's work this is coming straight from the from spain from the king and queen who have implemented their catholicism their fascism excuse me you know, like, no, you know yeah. i don't want to offend anybody no because i also have that's great i also have i i mean as a Mexican person, we all know that Mexican comes from the Mestizo, which is a product of Spanish and indigenous uh, people, and I'm proud of that. Um, so I don't want to villainize those people because they, they, you know, they were bishops, they were priests, they were doing God's work, and now we can look back and we've seen some, some of those things change, obviously, but I don't think they were trying to, I don't know. I mean, again, it's hard to take yourself back there.
0: Well, yeah, and the, the whole idea of, like, the patriarchal piece to um, Latinx folks, and obviously correct me if this is, like, if I'm just talking out of my ass here, but it's, from my understanding, as far as, like, the white influence on it, like, it's, that's where it really kind of, like, starts, or at least was, like, strongly reiterated, was the idea of this, like m- like, man is the, is king kind of thing, you know?
3: Yeah.
0: I, I don't really know I'm always I'm, I'm curious about what it was because aren't there a lot of historical sources of like there being a much more um, like matriarchal sense to some cultures like pre like colonialism pre um, like I don't know like the, the Mayans or am I just like talk that like, mm. would we'll be able to talk.
2: I mean, Western no. patriarchy and white supremacy are kiss and cousins, right? Yeah. They, they are always intrinsically tied um, because both those systems are set up in putting a very specific idea of a human in power, right? right? Um, and they're both set up in a way where that is not a conscious choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that goes back to the whole idea... like. I think it's sometimes very difficult to understand what, especially if you're benefiting from those things, and I, I speak from a position of benefactor, right. right, where I greatly benefit from white supremacy and uh, patriarchy, um, where you know, you'd be like, oh, Rose, you're a lady, how do you do that? No, I'm, I'm also butch, right? So sometimes I am taken more seriously in a room. Mm-hmm. Um in a very weird way, like hmm. yeah, it's scary. I hadn't thought about that, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it's scarier for me when I go into a bathroom at a fancy restaurant, but when I'm sitting in a boardroom, I'm taken very, very seriously, because I I I talk like a man, yeah, and I look like a man,
5: unapologetically mm-hmm. giving your opinions yep. and your your stance and
2: exactly, yeah. mm-hmm. and and we've gotten far enough where I can actually ride that wave, mm-hmm. sure, um, but I still think that they're incredibly tied, and. It's, it's not something that you think about right, right. because that's how in, that's how deep it goes. Yeah. yeah
0: And things like even like politically it's super interesting to me looking at like colonial imperialism and how like there have been things proven now that like American politics have inf- like like uh, involved itself in the kind of governments that we allow post-revolutionary like Central American and South American countries to like implement. Like we very much want to have every country that we have a deep like have an allyship with or whatever to be like little Americas and, and that's super an interesting thought to me. Well, I don't really know what I'm going Europe
2: continued to colonialize or colonize africa right Mm -hmm. you know it goes back to the monroe doctrine right (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. yeah
2: we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna take over south america Mm because like all these brown people they don't know what they're doing with themselves and i say that very sarcastically i'm sorry we have to save them yeah exactly Mm
3: -hmm.
0: introduced like american capitalism to yeah anyway yeah yeah um
2: well there was was it you and i lucia that were talking about the franciscans yeah yeah, uh-huh. can you talk a little bit about that?
4: Well, the Franciscans, when um, were uh, missionaries that when they came to America, they America meaning the continent, not mm-hmm. the country. <laughs> um, they had a very interesting vision of what they were doing. They were, yes, they were saving souls, right? But um, at the same time, they had they had the interest of um, having the the different cultures blend and and that. To become something new, they weren't trying to colonize and and kill everybody. So they they there's tons of documents and uh, of how they were trying to understand the languages and and they had translators and they were trying to make um have have now what will be the the language that everybody spoke, uh-huh. including the Spanish people and um, so yeah it was not. A genocide, as a lot of people think. Uh, of course, a lot of people died. Um, illnesses that, that the Spanish brought to this continent mm-hmm. had a lot to do with, with that. Um, but yeah, it was more the the Spanish had more the idea of <laughs> saving, no, uh, which is. Um, so they did benefit a lot from the native peoples, but. But the the idea was not to finish them, no. It was a
2: whoopsie genocide.
4: Yep. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. yeah. And they fun. actually, for example, the um, they actually treated pretty really well the the, the nobles of, of the Aztecs, for example, Moctezuma's uh, family, they're still around. I know a couple of them who are incredible people and they they work for the nave.
5: So you you're from Mexico City. I'm
4: from Mexico City. Yeah. Yeah. The huge city.
0: I've heard there's a huge art scene there.
4: Yeah. There's a huge everything. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. yeah. Everything is. Mexico City is... Like 10
0: million people or something. Right? No,
2: 22. Yeah. It's 22 yeah. million?
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Yeah. It's sadly overlooked as, like, a major city that people should, like, visit and, I don't know. Well, this road. is what
2: I'm talking about. Yeah. About this whole idea of white supremacy, right? right? And that we, like... Like, it doesn't even... Like, I had no idea that it was that big.
3: hmm
2: Right? Because, like, we've been fed this whole... Shit narrative
0: but that is the best. That
2: yeah, I don't all, right? no, it's the, the best country in the world. Exactly.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> well,
2: and
1: then whenever, whenever anybody supposes differently, like we've had conversations with, I, you know, various family members on both of our sides of, our, mm-hmm. of the family that basically will will slightly suggest that America has some stuff that needs a fixin. And
2: rooms for improvement. Yeah, and and they're
1: like and they're like whoa whoa whoa. Are you saying that America is not the best country in the world? And we're like, wow. We're why like, is
0: that the li- why is that the line that this conversation has to?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not even talking about that, although probably not <laughs> and like if and if we even suggest that america is not the best country in the world they're like well then why are you living here yeah like why are you here then yeah. like
2: uh, you know well it's it's that defensiveness right <laughs>
3: it's, it's right.
1: like when
2: you hang out with an alcoholic you're like well maybe you want to cut down well why are you even in my house it's yeah like, okay you need to cut down <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm yeah. comparing the united states of america to an alcoholic It's yeah.
0: it's a good it's your a good yeah. yeah it's your drunk very, uncle yeah. <laughs> well yeah. i i think it's super interesting um especially in the political time that we're in right now, like, post, like, the NFL starting back up, like, that, all that, just... Where we're kind of really getting down to the... I mean, I never thought that I'd have to, like because like i had never really cared about the nfl before and so now i'm like uh, do i like the nfl do i not like the nfl cuz like everybody's just like there's just like this internal schism oh, between people that are in that are like really into the nfl the only
5: NFL. reason why that happened though i'm sorry you yeah, yeah, say it i'm going to say, gonna say it, it. i'm going to show my crazy real quick no it's because we all oh gosh the nfl is owned by lots of really rich white cisgender males. Yep. Yep. Going Who voted for Trump in the first place? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now all of a sudden we're having to have this bullshit conversation and it just so happens to be about the NFL of all things. <laughs> yeah. And now they realize, hmm, we're offended. We're gonna unite against this tyrant yeah. after we've already spent all of our money supporting you well, and it's... after we've already inhaled all of your bullshit yeah. and believed it. All of a sudden, this guy says something, You should be, they should be fired. Oh, now we're all upset. Now everyone is supposed to care. No, 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 let's not forget the fact that those people are, are part of the reason why we're even here in the first place, why we're having having to have this conversation
2: in the first mm-hmm. place. I'm so sick of it.
0: No, it's a weird yeah. line in that. And, well, and,
1: and what y-
2: we're debating about are, I mean, we've taken the conversation where, like, literally this was a Black Lives Matter issue, yeah. right? Where, mm-hmm. like, we mm-hmm. should maybe mm-hmm. stop shooting black people on the street, black like, and brown people. Go fake, go fake. Right? And what we're debating about are wealthy white owners that pay black people to work on a field and then we're telling them they should feel grateful for the opportunity to work on mm-hmm. the field. Mm-hmm. Like racism is so tied within this country that we start having a discussion about racism and it immediately escalates to a discussion about whether or not America is great. Mm-hmm. Right? It's 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 a two-fold issue of that hypersensitivity of the greatness of America and how dare we we comment on that. And also just it's, it's not wanting to admit just how racist this country is and mm-hmm. how much work we still need to do to clean our own wounds on this issue.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, <sighs> I So I want to transition, uh, not transition, but I want to preface what I'm going to say next, very related to what we're talking about, by saying that I, I'm curious, ultimately I'm curious about, as we talk about all the things that are happening currently politically, as artists and as people that are working on a very, potentially, like, a work that it like these themes can resonate so truly. I'm curious, kind of how that affects you. But I, I know, and I know that um, specifically the thing that I'm thinking of now um, is one that I think relates to that question really well. Which is, right out of the NFL, we're coming into all of these hurricane relief kind of conversations, and it's um, it's especially hard. I mean, like Trump just tweeted some more racist, stupid shit this morning, and it's like, I. First off, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be a person of that culture, to be a person of that culture um, living far away from it. So you don't, you're like, uh, what's sort of like... Are you talking original? about
2: Mexico City or Puerto Rico?
0: I mean, both. Or Florida. Yeah. <laughs> or Houston.
2: Yeah, seriously.
0: And I mean, mm-hmm. to some extent, I mean when the right is kind of blurring these lines of what that is like the the, like trump doesn't care if it's if a person's from mexico like he's just looking at the whole thing and it's like those are brown people that they asked this upon themselves or something like that's like his that's what his rhetoric really is and so at a a certain point it's like i mean i don't know i don't i I definitely don't want to be like speaking to what it is that it is offensive to um to Latinx folks about Trump's rhetoric, but my well, to under
5: I'm... to underestimate Trump's rhetoric is 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 something that we shouldn't do.
3: Absolutely, you know,
5: yeah. underestimate the, the the power of his words. I mean, they're bullshit, mm-hmm. but they There's are people
2: who believe them. Absolutely, yep. mm-hmm. and it's his... emboldening others. Mm-hmm. That... Exactly, Empowering others. Yeah. 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 So yeah.
5: to to dismiss yeah. it There's and say, well, he's just an idiot it's who like... who just thinks that all brown people are, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't think so, and I don't think he thinks so, and I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with this either.
3: But no.
1: Well, and I, I, what's what's frightening to me is that amidst all of this, you know, his hesitance to send relief to Puerto
2: Rico, and I and sincerely like, wonder if he didn't know if Puerto Rico was part of the United States or not. You I have to. to wonder. I really do. Yeah. I really wonder. Oh yeah.
0: That's kind of, that is yeah. what makes it much more. And the religious. reason why
5: Puerto Rico is so in debt is because we, <laughs> it we was did him. that to it them. Was him. Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah.
1: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's colonialism, right? Yeah. Oh, well, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, you know, amidst all of this, like, his approval ra- ratings have increased.
0: Really? Recently? Yeah.
1: He's back up? up? Yeah. Shit. Like which is like I mean, his, shop- his
0: base loves that shit, and I think that's like the scariest, the scariest thing about the whole thing is that, um, sorry, forgetting to put the mic up, uh, is that like there are people that like that, like there are that's the re- the reality of some parts of America to some extent.
2: Well, one thing that I so when Houston happened, Mexico in its its kindness sent mm-hmm. so much aid, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. They helped us out and. The U.S. press very tiny. You know, this goes back to not admitting that America has weaknesses. Barely covered it, right? And then pretty soon after that, there was that horrific earthquake, and I don't think the
4: U.S. sent any aid. No, he, they probably even even didn't send condolences or anything.
2: Yeah, no. yeah. yeah it's it's horrifying.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm wondering. Yeah, uh, oh, sorry.
1: I I I'd would like to touch back on the opera a little bit. That's probably yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering. Well, is that what this is about? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we could talk about, you know, toxic American patriotism all damn day, but, but, we won't. So, That interests me. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I'm wondering. Why would you guys miss rehearsal? <laughs> <laughs> Toxic
2: patriotism.
1: <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm wondering, like amidst all this conversation of like, you know, Latinx folks kind of like railing against... Um, Railing against like American white supremacy. I'm wondering, like, does this opera take place in America or does it take, okay, where does it take place?
5: Well, it does take place in America. America? Yeah, it takes place in America. I love that. I love that when you, I can I just say that I loved it when you had to, (laughs) when you had to clarify when they came to America not this America, like the Americas. I think it's so funny that the United States is like, America! Well, actually, that also includes Mexico and
3: Canada. Like,
5: Yeah, I teach Spanish, and um, I always
4: tell my students, you can call yourself Americano, right? American. Or you can call yourself Estadounidense, which is United States citizen.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm.
4: We honestly, Latins, we prefer for you to call yourselves Estadounidenses. Right. Because we are a continent. America is yeah. a continent. It's not a country.
5: Exactly. You're an American, so, but so would anybody who I'm lives... I'm American, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so would anybody who lives in the, on the American continent all year. Right.
0: Even, the, even South America. Yeah. I need right. to check my privilege on that
2: one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Get need to re- like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at your life. Get your life yeah. every yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: and it's interesting because, I mean, I, of course, people who are interested in learning Spanish are special kind of people, right? Yeah. Or learning any other language. Yeah. But uh, Estadounidense is much harder to say. hmm But a lot of people are like really trying to say Estadounidense. They they really.
5: I love like, that you you do that. So do you teach? Can you, I'm sorry, I don't know much about you.
4: I teach at, I teach private lessons and I teach at Instituto Cervantes downtown. Uh-huh. Oh,
3: cool. And you yeah. teach
4: Spanish. Yeah, I
5: teach Spanish. Nice. Which is a, a passion I have found for myself. Yeah. And, uh,
4: and yeah, it's, it's, I'm so jealous. Really cool. I speak
5: Spanish. I spoke, sp- I, I learned Spanish first. My, my dad, both my parents are from Mexico. Um, my dad uh, is a resident in the United States, but my mother is a United States citizen um, because my grandmother... <laughs> She, my mother was born in Juarez, Juarez, mm-hmm. Mexico, um, but my grandmother, in secret, because my grandfather hated the United States, he was in the Mexican army, hated the United States, and he said, none of my children are going to be United States citizens, even though my grandmother was. She was born in Arizona, and um, when Arizona was, had just become Arizona, let's not forget that that was also part of Mexico,
3: mm-hmm.
5: <clears throat> um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, she uh, was fixing her kids' papers going to cross the border and getting them their citizenship behind my grandfather's back so that when he died she took all her kids, all of who became United States citizens and and they made a life in, in El Paso, Texas. Wow. And that's how my mother is a United States citizen. That um, is
2: harrowing. Isn't that cool? I mean I am Yeah my grandmother was kind of a badass. Amazed. Yeah and I'm constantly amazed. Like whenever we hear stories about our matriarchal ancestors. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a scene... Um, I'm always so amazed at, at what we have to do as women to survive and for the betterment of our children, right? Yep, she and, knew. Yeah, exactly. She knew exactly what she was doing. Uh, that constantly... So one thing, back to the opera, that is... I am convinced of, but is technically not, like, confirmed, is that uh, Sarawana was a lesbian for show. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and, and the, the more you read her poetry you're like, yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is real yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah. Um but there's a scene where where uh one of her, her patronesses, uh, Maria Luisa, we very carefully staged that where when there was a man in the room, she acted very different than when the man wasn't in the room. Um, because that is, I think, something really important that we need to demonstrate in this opera, and this is a place well, of that. Well,
5: and that probably was, is actually true. I mean, yeah, I think I think women probably accurate.
2: totally did act differently when when they were amongst other women as opposed to when there was a man in the room. Right, I and mean,
5: it's... the it 1600s.
2: Exactly, and, you know, there's always... women we are We, always still, so, do. Yeah, we yeah. still do. Yeah, we still do. And there's the, that accusation, right? Women always have that accusation of duality. Mm-hmm. Well, how mm-hmm. else do you think we're going to survive, right? There's that Sarwana poem where she, where she says... Um, well, I'm gonna screw it up. Where she says you you ask, you ask us to do one thing and then call us evil for doing it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just so accurate. Where how women have to survive. And right? imagine, imagine say, having the balls enough to say that. Being a
5: nun, who's like being mm-hmm. watched over by you know the Catholic Church so heavily, especially during that time, and in Mexico City because Spain was still in.
2: Mexico, but I think she actually had an easier time doing it there than she would have if she was married.
1: So I, yeah. I'm wondering what kind of is the arc of this show like? Where do we? It starts out with a with a dying Juana, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. with a dying Juana, and it's and you said it's a memory opera, so she's reflecting on her life, and I'm, I mean. Don't give away anything that's like going to you know disrupt one's enjoyment of the show organically, but I guess like what are like some of the greatest hits that happen? Like what are some of like the, the moments that happen that we see?
4: Well, I guess the big decisions he, she has to take in her life in order to survive and yeah. do what she wants is to write and mm-hmm. write. So those are the highlights, I think. Yeah, I think that's well, an easy way to put and, that.
5: And I think the way that the librettist and the composer, I I mean, I don't know, but um, it is written as a requiem. So it's not, you know, scene one, scene two, scene three. It's, you know, the DSC, or the, um, what is the first movement of a requiem? <laughs> anyway, regardless, each scene is a requ- is, is a movement yeah. of the requiem. And each one is, um, you know, goes back, and she's able to remember certain moments that shaped, shape, shaped who she was or decisions that she had to make to, to simply survive in, in, in those times and in her, in, you know, in her uh, surroundings. and.
1: That's so interesting to me that it's written as a requiem.
5: Isn't that crazy? That's and awesome. I hadn't, I hadn't well, it. I love that idea because, and again, I'm going to show a little bit of my crazy here, but like, Let it you know how you, you know people don't, you, when you're dying... You know, and people say you 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 see your whole life flash before your eyes before you die. That's kind of a common thing, right? Um, how do we know that it la you know it's a second? Maybe it feels like a, a lifetime. Maybe it feels like an eternity. Maybe it feels like ninety minutes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Um, I like the idea that that we don't you know sh- when you're dying, you don't, and you're looking back at those memories. Do you even know that they're memories? Maybe you're reliving them again. Maybe. It's a whole other lifetime that you're experiencing. You know, I, and nobody can ever say because when you die, you, you die. You obviously can't come back and tell your experiences. There's <laughs> no reporting on the right. issue. <laughs> We don't know for sure. But um, it's something that I, I like to think about all, all the time when I'm doing this opera. Is like, you know, is she really, you know, it, it could be taking place in 30 minutes. It could be taking place, you know, over an entire lifetime. It, you just don't know. To her, mm-hmm. it could feel
1: like her whole lifetime or that's you know. a comforting thought that yeah. like you know if, if you and I'm gonna go dark a moment that if you've ever been in a room with someone who is dying like the idea of like you're in there and you're watching them go through this but the idea that they could be experiencing an entire other lifetime like mm-hmm. while they're just laying there is is a comforting thought yeah. and something that
2: one thing we've really been exploring in the process of this show is when there's moments where it may have been very painful for young Wana, but it was a moment of great joy and pride for dying Wana. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. When you moment think of about
1: clarity.
2: Yeah, yeah, when, when you see things in new or fresh. Yeah. One thing I always try to. I was uh, talking to Caroline Wright about this the other day, and she's like, whatever I'm doing in my life, I want to make sure that 16 year old me is really proud of me. Um, and I think there's something really interesting about the reverse of that as well, right? Like there's moments in my life where I like want to, you know, I want sixteen year old me to show up and high five me because I know she would; she'd be really amped about what I'm doing <laughs> with my life. Um, but there's other times where I want to go back to sixteen year old me and be like, "Boo bear, it's going to be okay," right? Or even when I think about those moments, I'm like, "Yeah, you did kick ass," yeah. right? And I think there's something really powerful about our ability to communicate with ourselves through time yeah. um, and you what know. that means. Um, And the decisions that Sarwana made, I think that when we live now, it's very easy to look back and be like, why'd you do that? Um, But I don't see how she had other options. And I think she was actually quite cunning and quite brilliant in how she made her choices for survival. Mm -hmm. Um, And how she made her choices to write as much as she wanted. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the, the really wonderful things about this libretto, and it's unfortunately a rare thing for modern opera, is that this libretto was written by an actual playwright, mm. right? Um, and an actual playwright that came across learning about Sarwana um, through a, his work in a monastery. He did a, a like a year long retreat in a monastery, um, and then like went from there, right? So very much so, this story is a reflection on what we do in our lives as artists, so we can continue making our art. Um, I know for me personally, that's been something I've really been meditating on is how am I, what what are the sacrifices I have made in order to continue doing my art form? Um, and what sacrifices would I be willing to continue doing for my art form, right? Because I'm, I'm now like, I'm hitting that age where a lot of artists, I think, kind of fall off the wagon, mm-hmm. right? Where there's like, screw this, I'm gonna go and have a nice comfortable day job and have a couple of kids, and like, go, I'm done here. It looks
5: good, it's
3: yeah. not. It I,
2: I fantasize about it all the time, <laughs> right? Yeah. two things I have fantasies yeah. about one is just becoming a nun and like giving up and like living in solitude, um, and the other moving
3: is moving to the burbs, and moving the the burbs, burbs and with like yeah. 2.5 kids,
2: yeah. And I'm sure my my poor wife would be like, "Yes, please." <laughs> I'd know what you look like again. You know, um, but, but but being an
5: artist during these times, I mean, it's also kind of good. I know that it, you know, the struggle is real. I mm. get that, mm. but also like, what is art if not a reflection of our times and of our society? And
2: an immediate reflection of our times and exactly. society, right? It has to be immediate. Yeah, um, I think there's so much heavy reaction like think about how much theater has been in the news lately mm-hmm. um because there's such strong reactions to what's happening out there because as a society we're feeling a lot of feelings yeah and we're feeling really strong feelings you know and and yeah emotions are all that. high for everyone everyone's having a really because well, we might all well, blow up right
1: i heard a i heard a loud bang when i was at work the other day did you duck I didn't duck, but I immediately took out my phone and went to, like, a news site. And then I realized that in the event of a bomb going off, that, that likely it would not be reported on the news because who would report it? And I just had, like, a moment standing at the espresso machine. like. Also, when you're the news,
2: you don't get to hear the news. Yeah. <laughs> you're busy making it ready right yeah. in there. Um,
0: so my curiosity really ties into well with what you were just saying which is um one of the questions I wanted to ask earlier as we were kind of like delving into and and now and this entire time uh is when you said that the one of the reasons why uh the company was really interested in doing this project was because of Trump and so what I think is an interesting thing is that um I almost feel like as his presidency has gone on the things that that would have been fuel to that end or like things that have just been like really egregiously like name a, name a social sexist, racist, homophobic, whatever the things like they're, they're worsened now and they're, they've become more real. And so I'm kind of curious um, as you're getting into like rehearsal processes and things like that um, and, and the things that were influences like, a year ago are, are developing, have been developing for a year? Like, has there been any any different thing, or is it just kind of, like, the constant fuel, or, uh, like, fueling, or... Well, we're not doing
2: agiprop political theater, right? right. That's not what Third Eye does. Um, we kind of dance the line in that we are doing opera that is contemporary, relevant, and advocating for social change, right? right. That is... Those are some big things for us
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, that we are always asking those questions. But, you know, that's, we will continue the course, right? And we recognize that we're always in the immediate. and and But, on, you know, that falls on, on performers in a way, right? You live truthfully in your imaginary circumstance, right. but your imaginary circumstance is always in the now, right? That's something nobody can prevent. Um, but I think that's also when those discussions start happening, right, mm-hmm. after the show where we ask people to come in um, and, and talk, right? And we get the audience to start talking because that's when that discussion happens. Is um, there a
0: conscious line of where where it would be agitprop? Because I think that's a really interesting thought because I, I, I know that that is a, um, I mean, it's a rallying point for the right, definitely. Like you definitely see these things that are just like blatantly very on its face um, about what is currently happening and is about uh, furthering, uh, state narrative if you will like
2: i think it's just a different style of theater and it's yeah. a different way of concept um a lot of times you know you, you'll create and that just is a lot more immediate and a lot rougher mm-hmm. type of theater because you just don't have the time you have to react immediately so that's a week turnaround that's a that's a two-week turnaround where you're right. creating very immediate very in-your-face pieces mm-hmm. um and we just we don't have that kind of turnaround because right. we're doing an opera <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's complicated and and takes a lot of manpower and work and time um and though we 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 do opera in very intimate settings um and in very um immediate context it's not the same it's not the same animal right mm-hmm. it's just it's a diff- it's a different style of theater that um, i don't i don't think is necessarily what we're doing because there's also so many, you know, there's so many examinations of, for me personally with this opera, of uh, art practice as a expression of faith, right? Um, one thing that I think is very clear in this piece is Sarwana's need to write as an expression of her holy work and her doing God's work um, in her way, right? And what that means, um, you know, without even using the term God, um, you know, the universe's work or your dharma or your purpose. You know, what do we do as artists, as a spiritual practice in creating communal events where everyone can do those examinations mm-hmm. um, and, and look at themselves and look at their society, right, and, and reflect. Um, I, I deeply believe that that's, that's a spiritual practice. Mm. Um, and that comes from my experience with the Catholic Church, right? That's where I learned that. Um, so I think that might be you know, taking the time to actually reflect instead of having that immediate gaze right. um, and that, that anger and that agitation, right? It's, it's like comparing folk music to punk rock, right? They're two very different. They're mm. they're both immediately dealing with something, but in a very
1: different way. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a question for our two Juanas here. Um, we recently, our I think our last episode, we um, talked to a um, theater company putting on a production of George Bernard Shaw George Bernard Shaw's um, Saint Joan, and one, the woman playing Joan of Arc was here. And um, mm. something that I something that I've always found interesting. Um, is when, you know, artists who are, you know, by design, very self, self-critical, self there's a lot of self-deprecation, a lot of self-examination, mm-hmm. are tasked with playing characters that seem larger than life, um, that seem just like, just like pretty much entirely good and it, and it's it's hard to see that goodness in yourself and so so playing that role and finding the humanity in that image i'm i'm wondering how how that has been especially since it's two women with different experiences playing the same character
4: i guess i've really enjoyed finding the humanity in her because yeah she's been i mean i've Known about her my whole life. Of course, I learned her about her in elementary school, and um, finding her her humanity and her little moments of doubt and her little moments of what am I supposed to do now and um, yeah that that's been finding her the plainness in her too um, little moments of of being like a child like in mm-hmm. the very the very first uh, appearance of young Juana is is a very playful moment, and I think that's that's that has been the most fun for me uh dying Juana is definitely a a more um sabio. uh yeah she's wiser is wiser thank you character <laughs> sometimes the word doesn't come Spanglish, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's,
2: it's beautiful it's and anything i got coming out of my mouth so.
4: <laughs> uh Yeah, she's a wiser, and I think in that sense she's she's looking back in her life and and understanding more deeply what what she did. Mm
5: -hmm. Yeah, I've I've grappled with this with this character, and like I said earlier, I think that she's just so fascinating. I think that, and I'm trash. Like I didn't know about her. Okay, first of all, I didn't (laughs) know about her until until casting for With Blood With Ink was announced, Um, and and I felt ashamed. Because I, I feel like I have to comment on that. Okay,
4: <laughs> you shouldn't feel bad. I think, and I don't. I don't want to be um, offensive to anyone, but I think that the Anglo culture is very self-centered,
3: mm-hmm. and yeah.
4: everybody knows about Shakespeare. I'm offended. I'm okay <laughs> 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 But it Pretty stays sure. there. You know, the, like oh yeah, yeah. Y- there's little, very little opening towards the the rest of the world, except for Europe, right?
3: Mm-hmm. But like.
4: Yeah, you speak to people here about you know, Latin American writers, and almost nobody knows about anything else that's outside. I had no outside.
2: idea. I had no idea. And I was, I, I was, when we decided to do the opera, I was in Mexico. I was like, oh, I'm doing this. I was spending time mm-hmm. with this little old lady, um, and she barely spoke any English. I barely spoke any Spanish. We were kind of making do. And I was like, oh, I'm doing an opera about Sarwana and Estel Cruz. Woman got up, like, had two bad knees, got up, flew up her stairs, brought back this giant translator mm-hmm. contraption and sat it down so we could talk about the opera. Like, mm-hmm. freaked out. And I was like, I'm in over my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I immediately, yeah, I had no idea. And it is. I think you're right. Because she wrote beautiful plays.
5: Yeah. Plays, yeah. songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she composed music because she would write music yeah. in her plays. Like, mm-hmm. come on, man. She was a composer, she was a poet, she was a writer, she was a thinker, a philosopher, a scientist. Produce
2: one of her plays in the original Spanish really mm. badly. Calm down. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, yeah, no, and and I,
4: I felt so bad yeah. because... No, but you grew up I,
2: here, so... Yeah,
5: and uh, yeah. you know, and... Why would you know? Yeah. yeah. But um, I have grappled with her because, uh, you know, I am not a genius, and... I don't know how geniuses would have reacted to those types of situations. I know I'm getting eye rolls. No, 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 no,
1: no. no. <laughs> so here's, so the reason that I interjected, that I tried to interject earlier is that whenever women come on here and say that, like, I am not a genius, and then they say five minutes later, like, wonderful, thought-provoking intense that's things. always the hardest
0: thing like yeah.
1: uh, like you i i've known you for 45 minutes and <laughs> i think that you are very smart mm-hmm. your thoughts on the nfl were very articulate very passionate and i think that that it's important that you take ownership well, sure. of that i shouldn't you know
5: and in this era it's i shouldn't be apologetic for and that. and i'm mean. sorry i'm we sorry that this is happening
1: right? in front of a microphone but i just i think it's very important that <laughs> i just that...
2: got scolded on <laughs> Yes. For being brilliant.
3: I mean, no. the reality is,
2: like, singing opera is really
3: hard. It yeah, it is. Right? It's a
2: You have to do so many things. You have to live truthfully. You have to let go of everything. You have to count. You have to understand the, the notes. <laughs> Counting's hard, y'all. Like, as a mm-hmm. dyslexic, I can't do it. Um, my goal in a process is to always be the dumbest one in the room. Um, And I I, I know I'm relatively intelligent. Like, I got a good head on my shoulders. Um, But my goal is always to be the dumbest one in the room because that's how you get really great work, is if the director's, like, a little bit behind, right? So they're just kind of a cheerleader. And in opera, it's a lot easier, right? Because you have to be so smart out the gate. Mm. Um, And I think about... I mean, let's say you're, you're a little bit of a... I guess an odd duck in this way, and that you've had a lot of acting training, or you've mm-hmm. done a lot of straight play acting. But I think about how little acting training opera singers have, and when they get into my hands, like sometimes I'm the only training they've had, um, and they pick it up really fast, and they produce this really great work. And sometimes I watch them, and and I love actors. I love actors to pieces. Like don't get me wrong, what they're doing is really hard, complicated, exhausting work. But sometimes I want them to come in the room and watch these singers with no training do this work, because they'll leave pissed. Because <laughs> yeah. it's so hard. You have to be so smart to do To do opera in general, but to do the kind of opera that we are doing with this really intimate, high-octane, intense... You have to be a good actor, and you have to be a good singer, and you have to be a good mathematician. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work you have to be very smart in order to get in the room
5: yeah 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 the music and i mean and you'll fall out. we're all we're opera singers in this room and you know opera isn't easy to sing mm-hmm. all the time and this opera you know written in 1994 yes mm-hmm. uh fairly new fairly contemporary uh is not easy to learn nope. not easy to count no. not easy to sing all the time mm-hmm. and then <laughs> and then you have to add the fact that you're trying to portray somebody who not just a character, somebody who actually lived and like yeah. gave something to mm-hmm. gave something to mm-hmm. this world, um, and long. count and sing and mm-hmm. think of this and block and you know, and I'm you know, I think that I think that opera is cool because um, it kind of suspends time like different than regular plays, you know. Uh, a scene with Sor Juana Inés and, and Padre Antonio uh, Núñez de Miranda, who is, again, not the villain, but somebody who has been in Sor Juana's life throughout. And
2: it's double-cast, um, played by... Everything's double-cast in our shows, uh, played by uh, Alfreda Jiménez and Stan Yeah. Um
5: And, uh, you know, I, I love the idea, though, that in a play, that interaction might take five minutes, um, but in an opera, time is suspended... Yeah. And, and that can take, that five-minute conversation can be 30 minutes of, of feeling and really, like, getting into what they're saying. Um, not to discredit straight theater at all, because I've, I've, I've done it, and I, and I also love doing that. Um, but, again, I think that opera is unique in that sense because you do get to suspend time for a second and really, really... Explore. Them. Yeah, really get your, sink your teeth into it.
1: Well, and it's also a full body sensory experience. Like, not all, like, you know, with acting, obviously, it's you're using your voice and you're using your body, body language. But um, with opera, um, you have to use it's like you're using every part of your body twice. Like, because you're having to emote physically and you have to, like, your face has to. You know convey emotion but then you're also using your face and your body to produce to have to produce that level of sound and so like you leave having performed an opera like exhausted twice yeah Yeah,
2: you need an omelet and a nap yeah Yeah.
0: Right? I need that right <laughs> now. Let's get on. Well, on that note, then, <laughs> on, the, on the let's get to napping soon note, um, we have a few minutes left, so the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming, so that's for each of you. Um, uh, otherwise, sometimes it can be very obvious, like a show that's upcoming that you're currently in rehearsal for. Um Otherwise it can be uh, shout-outs to folks that you're doing think you're doing dope work either locally or nationally. Um, we also love hearing about like self-care things. So like books that you're reading, TV shows that you've been watching, movies, music, all that good stuff.
1: Like good articles that you've read recently that mm-hmm. have changed your worldview.
3: <laughs>
1: no pressure. <laughs> well, I'm Just gonna plug with <laughs> how third eye theater ensemble.
3: <laughs>
2: We're going to be at the Prop Theater. I love we the Prop open, Theater. I know, it's a great space. <laughs> uh, but we open October 20th, and it's a three-week run. Um, Fridays and Saturdays are at 8, Sundays are at 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, we run until November 5th. Um, it's a small space, so tickets do run out. So mm-hmm. you do want to get your tickets. Um, and you can do that at com. That's third eye spelled out, so third i Awesome! dot um, it's yeah. gonna be a good time Anything? oh and we're oh. also reading sarwana poems before a bunch of the performances in the oh, original cool. spanish oh really
0: excited oh about I, didn't
5: that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't
0: know that yeah i'm
2: working on it right now and i just got like two poets that committed to reading mm. their favorite nice. poems
0: third i loves doing cool nice. shit like that yeah
2: we always try to do something extra
0: yeah, because we're just, extra. A yeah, we're, extra. we're yeah.
2: yeah, we're always like, and here's this little extra thing before the episode starts.
0: Here's the, starts. the, here's the DVD well, it's special a short commentary.
2: <laughs> 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 that's that's so actually Rena Ahmed.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's gonna be short, so yeah. Why not? Read yeah. Point? Yeah. You got a minute. We already got you in the room. I, when we did Sumida's song, we would like not warn people, but we did like entire lectures on Egyptian culture. We, we'd like get you in the room, and we'd like attack you. We'd be, like, <laughs> ah! oh, <laughs> take yeah. this knowledge. You take it. Yeah. Now watch the opera.
1: <laughs> I remember because we because we saw Sumida's song and like that lecture happened, and I was like. I was like, this is a dream. Yeah,
4: (laughs) you like sneak attack nerd
2: get you. Yeah, good. (laughs) Yeah,
4: the more information people have,
2: the better. Yeah, I want you equipped before you start. And I got you in a room, so you're not going anywhere.
1: I mean, especially with Tomato Song, like, and not to like talk about an opera from two years ago, but especially with Tomato Song, like, that was two years ago. Yeah, but, well, it was before we started dating, so.
0: Aww.
1: Anyway, so, um, I you know the american view of egyptian culture is like cleopatra do and like
2: the pyramids yes exactly exactly <laughs> and so
1: i think that you know given given an opera like sema's song that has such there's so much context there are so many like deeply entrenched thousand year old Traditions yeah, you need information
2: and, to understand why everyone's freaking out in the opera.
1: Exactly. Yeah, otherwise and you're like, like,
2: everyone needs to calm down.
1: Like, traditions and expectations and all of mm-hmm. this shit. And so I think that it, you know, and with, you know, I think that it's especially appropriate given the upcoming opera, you know, given that it is such an important voice in, I'm sorry, Mex- Mexican culture, correct? Okay. Sorry. Um, in Mexican culture, yeah, I was like, Ugh. Um, <laughs> "That, you know, it's such an important voice in Mexican culture, and it's a voice that Americans know nothing
2: about." And honestly, she was an important voice in literary culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we just don't credit her for it. Yeah. yeah, she was inventing things that we use all the time. Yeah. We just didn't give her the credit for it. Cause she was a lady. lady. Yeah. I mean, I have to say,
4: I mean, she is very well known in the Hispanic world. Everybody yeah. knows about her, and she is considered one of the
2: greatest and
4: everything. Yeah. yeah. It's just hasn't crossed cultures as it should.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah. And we're going to help change that a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, are there is there anything that either of you would like to shout out? Anyone that you. Mm, well, I'm part of a project
4: that's happening next uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in Bridgeport South. Um, cool. At Palmisano Park, it's a really cool interdisciplinary reappropriation of spaces project, and uh, it's gonna involve dancers, singers, projections, drums, a lot of things. And um, I think it starts at seven thirty. It's called Elemental, uh, and it's directed by Erica Mott.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful! Mm-hmm.
5: Awesome, so, well, and okay, it's free. So oh, please, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, well. Um, I'm doing Third Eyes, So Juana Ines Cruz with Blood with Ink. Um, but speaking of nasty women, shout out to my girls at Proxy La Femina. Mm. Yes. Um, who um, we, uh, Marissa Abbas, who um, kind of started the whole thing, um, when we, you know, myself and, and her, we were really upset with the election results, obviously. And, uh, and uh, it came from a feeling of being hopeless. What can an artist do to help? anything you know and I started to realize that no there's a a lot of things that we can do and and again you know opera started out of the camarada and I'm not saying that we're anything like that at all but it came out of a a need for social awareness trying to tell stories Um, and that's why it revolved around Greek Greek mythology um, early operas did because there was something to learn Mm. out of out of watching these and I and I'm happy to do that again with this opera and I'm happy that the girls at Proxila Femina aim to do that. We're not just trying to sing um, for fun because we like the sound of our voice and because we like to perform. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is about. Um, it's about making some social changes through the means that we know, which is through singing and through art, um, which is great because art is always uh, changing and always evolving and always, again, um, as a result of our environment and of our society. So check out the girls of Proxy La Femina. If you haven't written your representatives, you can do that while listening to some bomb ass opera um, and art songs, um, and and you can make your voice heard at the same time. I mean, come on. Yeah. What's not cool about that? that I'm
2: so geeked right now. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Sarah Diller. About. Shout and, out to and Sarah And was well. one of the, one of the people who was like audition for this opera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah I, she called me and warned me about you. She's who like, I, Marissa. No. uh yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, this really awesome human's coming your way. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Uh.
5: yeah. I love her. Marissa yeah. and I go way back.
2: She's great. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, really grateful for it. I was yeah, like, no, and, and, and we're,
5: we're doing some great work. If there's any uh, women who want to do something about your frustration rather than just, like, bitch about it with wine with your friends, do something and be a part of a collective that is always seeking to... to um, change to create conversation and to create some change
0: yeah that's what I love about Priscilla Feminine, I mean, and I think generally people should really take as like a as like a guidebook is that it's all about action-based things like all of the letter writing campaigns all of the like pointing out where or any concert that we have
5: yeah any concert that we have is to promote another organization that's another thing we work with other organizations who want to who are tired of having the the normal fundraiser or the number you know what i mean we always are wanting to collaborate with people about
1: um what we can do yay
0: cool. all right well thank you all so much for listening i've been dan Johansson.
1: i continue to be maureen smith
0: if you want to keep up with what we are up to there are a lot of ways that you can do that you, the first is you can head over to scopymag.com. that's our website uh, you can check out all of our articles there. We have some recent ones, including there was a really interesting development in the Illinois gubernatorial race with um, Amia Pawar's uh, Reddit AMA. For any leftists out there that happen to be listening that were like, I don't think Pawar is radical enough because he likes Rahm Emanuel. Check that article out. Yeah, really that AMA
2: was fascinating.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, other than that... Shout out uh,
1: to Oscar galloping around our apartment right now. Shout out,
0: Oscar galloping. <laughs> uh, you can also see we post all of our podcast episodes there, as well as all of our videos from our Scoppy Studios and Scoppy Sessions. We'll have a couple more. We're actually in a studio this weekend, which really, we're ex- really excited about.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, you can keep up with us on all these social media places, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, uh Google Play and iTunes podcasts under Scopy Mag and we spell that S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G.
1: And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything that we've been able to do up to this point has been through your generosity. So, first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, we could use a little bit more help. If you're in a position to give, you can head to our website. Jesus Christ. Yeah, sorry, you can head to our website scopymag.com. Head to our about section. Uh,
3: sorry.
2: The cat is on a rampage. <laughs> it's not happening Yeah, I don't know if it's the weather.
1: Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's um, just losing it. <laughs> there are there are a couple there are a couple ways that you can give. Uh, you can do a one-time donation if you choose to do that. Uh, you will have our eternal gratitude. If you choose to give on a monthly level, some cool things will happen. Um, any, our, our next two monthly donors are gonna get a bag of half wit coffee, um, and that's at any level. At ten dollars a month, you're gonna get half wit coffee and also a once a month photo shoot with Daniel Johansson in the in, space. In the space, we we are good for headshots in a pinch. Um, And at $25 a month, uh, we are creating uh, what we're calling an affiliate program where um, we will basically list you as a a charitable individual or organization or business. And in exchange, we'll give you like a little sticker.
0: Yeah, we're going to make up little like table card type things that, that small businesses and local entities can put up to show that they support independent media which is super important
1: yeah especially now so give a little give a lot and if you can't give then listen participate and share
0: cool thanks again so much for listening go out and make something
1: yep